You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Welcome to 3 a.m., where we discuss and dissect the supernatural. I'm one of your hosts, Sean Gassaway. What's the scariest story you have? That's been one of our favorite questions for years. 3 a.m. is the result of asking that question over and over again. Stories we share are typically sourced from those we know, our listeners, and personal experience, the validity of which can be determined by you, the listener. While we might not have all the answers, we find the culture and lore surrounding paranormal events and unnatural occurrences fascinating. We hope you enjoy. I am 10% sad. Why? 90% excited. <laughs> for you guys. Hey, Wait, boy. why are you excited for us? Because you're going on your trip, bro. Yeah. So, Sean and I are jumping on a plane tomorrow, and we are headed to... Motherfucking Thailand. Yeah. Get some dank ass pad thai, some sticky ass mango rice. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> yeah. mm, tell me more. Mm. Tell me more. <laughs> some sweaty mangoes. <laughs> some dripping pineapple. <laughs> uh, oh, and the Philippines and uh, Vietnam too. Oh yeah, those places. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's that too. No, but on the real, we are going to Thailand, the Philippines. I'm not going to Vietnam. You're not. No, no. me neither. Is that week three? We're coming home. Yeah. 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 MJ's not going either. No, MJ and Janelle are. Yeah, they're okay. going to Vietnam. You are coming. You're the only one who's coming home early. No, no. Him I think all the boys and Kevin are. are coming. Coming home early. Yeah. So how long are the girls going to be there? Three weeks. You're going to be there three weeks. Two weeks. Two and a half weeks. So dumb. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> yeah, but uh, on our list there though, we are going to Sigihor. Ooh. Oh, are you really? Yeah, Bruh. dog. Tell us. Tell the listeners why you're excited. <sighs> What what do you see when you get off of the boat in Sikihor? Sikihor is a tiny island in the Philippines. And if you've listened to our previous episodes, Sean, Jordan, and I lived in the Philippines for two years. Sikihor was in the vicinity of where we were living for most of the time. We never had a chance to go, but we knew all about it. Basically... Sikihor is a beautiful little island hideaway, really overlooked as far as travel goes in the Philippines, but it is famous also for witchcraft. <laughs> and when you <laughs> arrive, at, I've seen the picture of this, like I said, I haven't been there, but when you arrive at Sikihor, there's the sign that says, Welcome to Sikihor. You get off the boat on yeah, you this get little off the dock boat. in the beautiful beach. Yeah, and you see the sign that says, Welcome to Sikihor. Home of like black magic and witchcraft. If you uh, see any witchcraft or black magic, please report to the authorities. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's like the hot spot in the Philippines for black magic. And Sean and I are going there. We're going to try to get some good photos, maybe visit some places. Mm. And honestly, like that's my dream for this podcast is that we could go places and, and hunt them ghosts. <laughs> Ghost hunt or just like <laughs> just document. Learn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then tell it here. Honestly, no. For Charles's uh, bachelor party, 
Um, <laughs> part of it. We're was, revealing how nerd ass we are. Yeah, hello. <laughs> I did not uh, attend this. <laughs> For a part of this, we we did it like a ghost tour, which was dope. In Portland. In Portland, yeah. So, dude, uh, if, Portland's spooky, y'all. It's crazy. I had no idea. I don't think any of us knew before that, but Portland has like a whole underground system, like a that dirty was, history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the it, it's basically like what do you call it? Like a water waterway. Basically, the city would get flooded, and they built this underground system. To, like, take that water, right? Yeah, so that the city wouldn't get flooded anymore. But after some time in, like, the early 1900s, they used it for human trafficking, sex trafficking. And it was, like, apparently heavy, huge business. Yeah, yeah. Um, Real underground, and prostitutes or sex workers were beat and... Some apparently died down there, mm-hmm. so that was part of a <laughs> that part was of our tour. Party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, we went and got our haircuts earlier, and the barbers were like, "Oh, you guys gonna go out and party, get smashed?" And we're like, "Yeah, kinda, <laughs> except not. <laughs> we're gonna go do a ghost tour, dog." <laughs> Dude, they probably would have been down still. Like, we, we just like, didn't. Oh, wanna. that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Secretly, they're like, "Oh, I'm jealous." But they gave us these little like um, these little meters that. Really like electromagnetic. What are those called? Uh, I forgot. Uh, Geiger <laughs> Geiger counter. <laughs> Isn't that for radioactivity? Yeah, the, it is. Aren't those thermometers? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, dude. Barometer? Uh, <laughs> compass. Speedometer. <laughs> yeah, so we were using our speedometers and they were going crazy. Like uh, mm. They were like pinging sometimes red, which means a, a ghost was like right up on us. Yeah, a presence. <laughs> yeah. Dude, they believe that there was a portal. Did they believe there was a portal in Portland? Yeah, that's where she took us, and we were all, like, sticking our things out in the air. <laughs> okay. When you say things, kind of. Our speedometers. And then we put out our barometers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, like, a portal to other, like, portals throughout that. the world. That was yeah. in the, like, parking lot, That right? little parking lot, yeah, yeah, where they have photo evidence of supernatural activity. Yeah. The, that the tour guide, she was like, yeah, there is a portal here. And if you stand in this specific spot, You'll notice that your meter will be raging. Yeah, Get a raging meter. <laughs> she, I did. She, I remember she had photos of it. It was yeah. like a pillar of light in that, like at night. A, it was like brighter than the sun. <laughs> exactly <laughs> over our heads. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So how do we get on the subject of bachelor party? We're just talking about uh our our dream for this uh, oh, podcast. Yeah. One of our dreams is to. Go to places and learn about some of these things. Yep. So Sean and I are, are doing that a little bit. We're going to Sikihor, Sikihor, the haunted island, home mm-hmm. of voodoo and black magic in Philippines. So we're going to go. T- Sean speaks the language. So we're going to go try to talk to people and maybe, I don't know, see if we can get some stories or some anything stories. like that. Yeah, that would be great. And then uh, we are also working on another plan to go down to Savannah, Georgia mm-hmm. and see what we can find down there. We trying to, you know, we trying to hunt the ghosts, like I said. <laughs> we just want to say thanks to everyone. We've like we basically we made this podcast for ourselves and we've gotten a lot of love from a lot of people out there. It helps us so much when like people subscribe or like download the episodes and it, I don't know. It's just kind of humbling. I didn't think it's weird when like you are talking to people you haven't talked to in a long time, and they're like, "Hey, I listened to you, you talk for two and a half hours straight." About are they try and quote you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah. what is that so, from? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Thanks, guys, for real. Yeah, no, it is funny when people try to quote us or quote <laughs> me. 
Oh like, yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> Which episode? We talked about so many things. It's like, <laughs> next time, if you quote me, come with your annotations, bro. <laughs> yeah. Can I get that bibliography? I know. <laughs> episode two hundred four. Forty minutes in. <laughs> no, we're just playing. No, we love and appreciate all of our listeners so far. Subscribing and downloading our if you want episodes. Support. If you want to support, that helps a lot. Also, ratings as well. And tell a friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Telling a friend. Or do whatever the F you want. Yeah, do whatever you want. (laughs) Uh, My name's Charlie. This is Sean. And I am DJ. And you guys might notice that there's a fourth person not here. And Jordan moved away for the summer. He's getting ready to possibly further his education and do a master's program. So he will be missed. One thing I loved about Jordan was his 100% enthusiasm for every story. You know what I mean? Like, I get tired, and sometimes I, like, sit back and take a break, but I felt like every story he was in it. True. No, that <laughs> yeah. kid is full throttle all the time when it's with other people. Like fully torqued. Yeah, fully torqued. <laughs> <laughs> now, on the real, Jordan is always just very enthusiastic about people. Hmm. He's like the person's, what's the, what's the word where you, like, advocate? He's like the person's advocate. Or yeah, the, it's a good one. Yeah. And and I think honestly in storytelling, the artist storytelling, just as important as telling the story is like listening. Because mm-hmm. when you are telling a story and I lock eyes with like one of you guys and I can tell you're in the story, like mm-hmm. that energy just feeds. Yeah. And Jordan was always a safe one to look to and get his honest reaction and <laughs> his so if input. You, if you felt low on energy, you look at Jordan, he's ready to serve you up some energy. You know what I mean? <laughs> We used to DJ back in the day and it was sort of that same type of thing where it's like if the crowd was into it, that energy is just like everything. You know what I mean? Mm. So like, thanks for all the energy you guys have given us. So here's the thing. (laughs) (laughs) We left our jar. (laughs) Yeah, our jar. We moved studios. We are no longer in the cabin. We are in the basement. Another undisclosed location referred to as the basement first rule about the basement is don't talk about the basement second rule is what happens in the basement stays there (laughs) and then we put it out on a podcast (laughs) (laughs) no yeah uh we forgot our jar but we do have a question nonetheless that we thought of and here it is best mainstream chain burger joint shake shack Really? Shake Shack I choose in and out over shake I love shake shack but but I'm also about five guys Bro, five, five guys, guys have expensive. Went down in my book for me. Why, dude? They all the burgers I've gotten have been dry, dude. I feel like their bacon is crisp. Their bacon is their crunchy. bacon is crisp. They I have like the best. Chewy. They have my favorite <laughs> fries, dude. Those Cajun fries. Oh, fire! It's like, can I get a small and a wheelbarrow to carry that out? <laughs> <laughs> they give you a whole bag. They do do fries well. Do do. <laughs> in and out though. Dude, there's something about the smoke shack. <laughs> we could, we should just do a fast food <laughs> podcast because I, I'm like gearing up to talk about this for like an hour right now. The smoke shack at Shake Shack is so lit. Uh, it's so good. Smoke shack is that like a barbecue one? No, it's like cheese, but they, they got they, that bacon on there, and they got the barbecue sauce. Do they have like, barbecue sauce? I don't, not on that one, but no. they have chi- these chilies that just like have the best taste. Mm. Mm. It's mm. so good. Shake Shack has a uh, peanut butter sauce that you can put on oh, your yeah. bacon cheeseburger. We tried cheeseburger. that one time. It's actually not bad. 
Never had it. Secret menu. Anyway. Second segment of our show, we roll our 20-sided die to see who shares their story first. This week, <laughs> we have no die to roll. <laughs> yeah. So, by default, the lowest class citizen goes first. Charles? Yo. yo. That Hapanesso boy. Flores that Gaijin. <laughs> that outsider. All right. So, last week, I told all the stories about Haiti. And about the Dominican Republic in Haiti and voodoo in Haiti, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So um, this is another one of those stories that I didn't have time to finish. So like I mentioned before, Haiti is an island that's split in half. And on one side is Haiti and the other side is the DR, Dominican Republic. And one of my cousins who I looked up to my entire life, he did like a service missions trip in the DR, Right. And so in the DR, like I went down there a couple months ago, hella Haitians just running around. In the DR, they're like super nice people. Half of them are from Haiti and they like go back and forth. And so voodoo is very much a real thing in the DR as well. Right. Same island. Yeah. So he's living there. He doesn't speak the language. So he had to learn Spanish as what they speak in the DR. And he goes down there and he's trying to learn the culture. He's trying to learn the language. And when you first start that missions trip with your church or that service trip, usually they put you with someone who has more experience, who has been there a long time, maybe like a year, who knows the language, who can kind of show you the ropes, right? So he's going around and he's having a terrible time. It's hot. It's not comfortable. It doesn't feel like home. He doesn't know, understand anything anyone's saying to him. Is that his first time outside of the country? (laughs) I think so, probably. So probably a bit of culture shock too. Definitely. Okay. Yeah, and the DR, if you like, it's pretty hood. Like, there's not a lot. If you're not in like main cities, there's not street lights. You know, when it's dark, it's dark. Me and my wife went down there a month or two ago, and we got an Airbnb that was off the beaten path. You know, wasn't on like the main strip near the beach, and we had to walk home at night, and it was it was kind of scary, dog. Like we'd be walking through these alleys. And, you know, brothers from the DR are pretty dark, so you wouldn't see them until they, like, moved. And I'm like, damn. What the, what the? I was there, bro. <laughs> I was like, DJ? <laughs> yeah, two months ago when Charles and his wife was in the DR. <laughs> I'm yellow, boy. I take my clothes off in the desert. You can't see me. <laughs> Way to go. Anyway, so alcoholism is pretty prevalent. And if you have altercations, you know, you handle it with the bush knife or machete. So you'll see people without arms or like massive scars and stuff like that. There's wild dogs that run around. I don't know. It's just different, you know? So he's out and about and they were trying to just like help people in the community. And another thing that happens in the DR is rolling blackouts. So all the time the power would just go out. Oh, okay. So if you're out there, they advise you like carry a flashlight, you know? Or something, because, you know, the power could go out. You have no idea when it would come back on. And so they're walking, and they had decided to go to this one house and just see if there was anyone there they could help. And they walk up to it, and this is during a blackout. And this house is just a square front, just a flat front. And they walk up to the door, and the older, my cousin, the guy he was with, he goes up and knocks on the door. And my cousin just kind of sits in the back and does what he always did which was just try to understand what the heck was happening, right? And so the older guy knocks on the door and the door swings open and it's pitch black inside. And my cousin kind of looks up 
and he just sees the silhouette of a child standing in the doorway. Facing him? Mm-hmm. And he's just looking up out of the out of the doorway. And so the older guy, he explains, you know, hey, we're here. You guys need any help or anything? Like, we're a part of the community, blah, blah, blah. He's speaking in Spanish. My cousin's just picking up a word here or there, not really understanding anything. And the kid just stares at him, doesn't say anything. And then finally, the older guy with my friend, he goes in Spanish, like, are your parents home? And the kid just stares. He goes, how about your dad? Is your dad home? And the kid's eyes just get wide. And he takes like two steps back into the dark house. And as this is happening, my cousin said he was sitting there. And my cousin's super logical. Like he's not like woo woo at all. So he said he's sitting there and all of a sudden he gets a feeling. And he looks to the left of the house. And on the left of the house, there's a big like bush plant. And he's staring at this bush. And as he's staring at it, he gets like an overwhelming feeling that there's a man behind the bush with a machete. And he said it wasn't like a normal feeling, like it filled him with terror. And it wasn't like a thought, like what if? He knew that there was a man standing behind the bush. And in his head, he hears like, leave. And the older guy is talking to the kid mid-sentence trying to like talk to him. Like, is there anything we... And he stops. And he turns to my cousin and goes, do we need to leave? And my my cousin like breaks. He like looks away from the plant, looks at him, looks back at the plant. And he's like, wait, what? And he's like, do we need to leave? And he just shakes his head. And the guy grabs my cousin and they sprint away. Holy cow. And he was like... Did you feel something back there? My cousin's like, yeah. And he's like, I I felt it too, but I felt like you felt it first. And he's like, yeah, I think think that dad was behind the bush and he was going to hurt us. And he goes, if you ever feel something and I don't, tell me. Because if that happens, we need to go. And honestly, he told me that. And that's like why I have my rule. And that's why, that's Mm -hmm. a part of the reason why we have our rule. It's like, if one of us feels it, like sometimes not all of us will feel it. We got to warn each other. Better safe than sorry. I mean, that's a common saying, but very real at the same time. Yeah. So my cousin was not kind of shook, but like he couldn't, you know, he kept thinking about it all day. Right. And the guy he was with, they get home that night and the guy he's with goes, you know, that was, I was pretty crazy, but that's not the craziest thing that's happened to me. In the Dominican Republic. Oh, man. What? My how like, you how you start that story like that, man? <laughs> yeah, because my cousin's like scared. And then this guy's like, well, I've seen worse. <laughs> and so he's like, he goes, when I first got here, I was sent out to this super remote area. And so there's jungle everywhere. And me and the guy I was with, we had talked to everyone in the village. Like everyone. We knew everyone. So there wasn't like anything new we could do. And then we heard that there was this home way out in the hills. And some people told us, you know, be careful because there's a lot of voodoo like out in the jungle. And, you know, they were two Americans. They were like, whatever, we're good. (laughs) 
So one day they decide they pack their lunch and they're like, hey, let's go out there. And they make this trek down this path. And they're walking all up into these hills and into this path and into the jungle. And they come around the corner and there's, there's a path in between the trees and there's a fence on each side of the path right up against the trees. And they follow it around and you can't see what's around the corner because the trees are so dense, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they follow this path up and around until finally they see a clearing and up on the top of this hill is a home. Bro, why are you living there? <laughs> Dude, I would, bro. I like that remote life. You got that view too, like at the top of the hill. <laughs> Unreal. So they see it and they're like, oh, cool. Like, let's go. Let's go see if there's anyone there and see if we can help them out. And they walk up to it and the older guy is like, oh, man, it's a voodoo house. <laughs> How did he know? So he walked up to it. There's shells hanging everywhere. <laughs> and he said there was like a line of like salt or dust or something across the front. Just like he knew, you know, he had that feeling. Nope. And it, it took him like an hour to get out there. And so he was like, what do we do? Well, we didn't walk all this way for nothing. So go, dude. F it. Go, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they knock on the door and the door opens and it's this like hundred year old guy. Oh. And Opens it up and I picture like a basset hound, droopy eyes, you know. <laughs> so the door opens and he's just standing there and he like kind of smiles when he looks at him. And they explain their whole spiel and stuff. Doesn't say a word, just turns around and waves him in. So he walks into the small room and he turns on a lamp and they come in and then he turns off the lamp and it's dark and they can hear him move to the next room and turn on the lamp in there. So they follow him to that room then he turns off that lamp and they get to the back of the house. So the back of the house is this tiny little sitting place. And he goes and he sits in a chair in the corner. And they sit down on like these two stools. And they start talking to him. And he's sitting there and he's just kind of shaking his head. And he's honestly not really paying attention to him. And they're like, what the heck? And he sits, leans back in his chair into the dark room. There's one lamp that's illuminating this room. And the two, the guys, you know, they're serving with their church. So they're just like inviting them to church and stuff. And, and they're like, hey, actually, we have something we can give you. So they, they reach down into their bag. They move their like flashlight and stuff. And they grab like a pamphlet just in case he had any questions about church, right? And as they look up out of the corner of their eye, they see someone walk into the room really quick and stand in the center. And so he grabs the pamphlet and he turns to hand it to the man. And as he turns, a woman had walked in the room. And she had put her hands on the table and she's leaning in, staring, oh, no. eyes wide, right into their face. So he like turns, oh, like, oh gosh, uh, hi. And she's just staring and she's like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. but her eyes are wide. And the, the guy who was sitting close, closest to him just freezes and kind of like looks at his friend and his friend starts talking. So she's staring at him. And then she slides to the other guy who's talking with their eyes super wide and just talking. And so they're like, uh, and they look over at the guy in the corner and he's just smiling, sitting back in the dark. <laughs> and so super quickly they were like, all right, let's go. Uh-uh, let's go. Leave the pamphlet and leave. <laughs> and as they leave, they're like, we're never coming back here again. And both of them were like, did you feel that? And they're like, yeah, I think she put a curse on us, dude. I think that was voodoo. Because they said both of them felt like seized up. They could barely talk, right? 
Fast forward maybe a month or two. They have nothing to do. It's late in the day. They've already talked to everyone they could think of. They've already done everything they could. They think they're safe. It's been two months. Yeah. It's like... Nothing happened to them. They're good, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they're like, dude, let's let's just go out there. (laughs) That makes sense. Go back. (laughs) Yeah. To that house again. (laughs) Yep. The lady and the dude. So I think one of them kind of convinces the other. They're like, okay, let's go. You know, and if we hurry, it... we got to go fast because it's going to get dark soon. So they start on this trek up the path in the jungle, up the hills to this voodoo house. And they get on the path and there's those trees. And like I said before, there was those um, fences and it had like come right up to the trees on each side of the path that had gone up all the way up the hill and around the house. And so the house, there was like a little clearing in the jungle, but behind the house, it was just thick trees, right? So they're on the beginning of this path and they're going down. And they're, they're like, we didn't plan this right because it's getting a lot darker a lot faster than we thought. Mm-hmm. So it's like dusk. <clears throat> Remember I was telling you about those herds of dogs? Yeah. So in the DR, there's herds of dogs with mange. With mange? Mange. So mange is a disease that dogs get. It huh. like turns them feral. Did you see, didn't you see, like what do you have seen those in the Philippines, right? Like their eyes go milky white. They lose all their hair. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that's what it was called. Yeah, it's called mange. I thought it was just... Gross. The poverty. <laughs> the black. Yeah, poverty, dude. What disease you got? Poor dog. <laughs> <laughs> no, so there's these herds of like dogs with mange. And, I mean, I, dogs... I don't like wild dogs at all. So they're walking down this path. And as they're coming around the corner, they're like getting closer to the house. And it's getting darker. And they're like, dude, you know what? Nah. Like, what are we doing? Why are we going back here? F this. It's getting dark. Like, let's go back. Both you and I got a feeling we shouldn't go out to this place, right? So like, okay, let's turn around. F this place. So they turn around. They start walking back down the path. And remember those packs of dogs I told you about? Yeah. Yep. They start hearing these barks. Oh, hell no. (laughs) And they're like, hold on. Shh. Wait. And they're listening. And they're like, it sounds like 15 dogs coming up the path. And then they're listening and it's getting closer. And sometimes the dogs will just go away. You know, they're chasing something, but this sounds like it's coming right at them up the path. So they're like, okay, let's just go wait at the house and see if we can wait inside for a minute. They're like, okay. So they turn around and it's getting darker and darker and they start walking up the path, but the dogs are getting closer faster and faster so that they start trotting then they start running and then finally they're sprinting for their lives and they can hear these dogs they're like right behind them and so they're running up the hill they see the house but the dogs sound like they're too close so they just pass the house and go to the back and one of the guys was faster than the other so he reached the fence before the other guy he jumps up onto the fence and starts climbing up and his bag's hanging down by his hip and he yells, grab my flashlight. So the other guy runs up and reaches into his bag, grabs his flashlight and tosses it up to him. And he grabs it while he's on the fence and he flicks it on and he points it up into the trees and the beam of light goes up into the trees right above his head. And right in that beam of light, like a foot away from his face, is the woman's face. And she's staring at him in the tree. Oh. And her eyes are white. 
And he looks up and <gasps> boom, and just falls out of the fence. And they don't even care. They forget about the dogs. Because the other, the other guy looks up in the tree and sees the woman's face up into the tree. Holy and she's like hanging God. in the tree and she's muttering, staring at them. And they turn around, no dogs. And they run away. And they never come back. Bruh. That's that's scary, dude. That's when I keep climbing the fence and then RKO her from the top <laughs> from the top rope. So you said they noticed like the shells and like the salt uh-huh. around the fence and stuff. Do you think that the people put the salt to keep them in? I don't know, dude. Or they like why else? I don't know. Here's the thing. My aunt, remember she had that story about dogs barking? Yeah. And then it would stop like mm-hmm. in a second. Oh so, yeah. And they're not that's not her son like they're not related i had two separate um the one where she was sleeping in her house yeah her next door neighbor was a, some type of voodoo priest mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um grandmaster yep wizard and then at night he would just hear bark she would hear bark she like, said it sounded like dogs killing each other and then all of a sudden yeah like the vo- like the mute button like someone unplugged the speaker yeah not like turned down slow it was like you know nothing yeah yeah so that's like two two of my family members telling me about like them being able to manipulate the sound of dogs and Hmm. and it like corralled them in right creepy so when my cousin told me that we were in the forest at night and we were all laying down in the truck of a bed and he gets that part and he got over us to tell us that last part and all of us were like (laughs) (laughs) that's so crazy man that's it. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, like, I'm not down. The thing is, what I've always heard is, like, everything I've heard about, like, spells is that a lot of it depends on how much you believe in it, right? So they have to convince you that it can work first before the spell can actually work. Yeah. But I'm not Sean. I'm inclined to believe, so that stuff terrifies me. <laughs> this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. (sighs) I have benefited from therapy in a way that it's allowed me to feel a lot more light. Lightness in my heart, my head, my emotions. If that's something that you're needing, if that's something that's missing, uh, give therapy a try. Give BetterHelp a try. Uh, we want to hook you up um, by getting it off your chest uh, and it be a little lighter on the wallet. Uh, go ahead and visit betterhelp.com slash 3am and you can get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 3 a.m. My name is Bill Huffman, and I am a former Cleveland News producer, and I am now the host of the podcast, Who Killed? I began the show focusing on the unsolved murder of Amy Maholovic, and now each week I explore a different case with a focus on some of the victims who don't get the attention they deserve. I have a deep catalog of over 225 episodes, so there is a guarantee there will be something for you. Who Killed is an evergreen podcast, killer podcasts, and slow burn media production. 
Subscribe today, wherever you get your favorite shows. So what's funny is I actually have a story that's kind of similar to that without the mistake of going back. So what happens is I'm in the Philippines. I'm with this other guy. We're out in kind of what we call the bukid. Like we're out in the middle of nowhere and found this this random town just out in the middle of nowhere in the mountains. And it's like jungle out there, right? It's jungle. Yeah, yeah. We probably hiked a good hour to find this little town. And we're just like, well, we like walk in, like the mayor of the town comes up and he like is like, hey, how's it going? And we're like, oh, how's it going? <laughs> we he keep just, walking. He just says, yo, I am the mayor of this town. Yeah. He said, yeah, we're working on this bridge right here. And I'm like, oh, well, that's cool. <laughs> Wait, is this in the 1900s? Is this in 1912? <laughs> this is uh, actually... And y'all just believed him? <laughs> well, he wasn't the problem. We we like start walking through this little town. There's probably... You could probably walk through the whole thing in 100 yards. Mm-hmm. And we see this lady that's like kind of on the side of the road. We get closer to her and she like perks up and she comes over and she's like oh hi i know you guys and we're like what and is this your first time there this is our first time there (laughs) we're out in the middle of nowhere in a remote jungle town yeah she's like i know you guys we're like oh okay and we well we don't know you but i'm (laughs) sean (laughs) um at that point she's like you, we could use some help actually do you want to come to our house and help us out and we're like yeah sure we'll, we'll come help you out and we start following her. She kind of leads off. She's about 10 feet in front of us. And we keep following her. About 25 minutes later, we kind of look at each other and we're like, should we keep following her? She's just going deeper in the jungle? She's going deeper in the jungle. No small talk or anything? No, she's not talking to us. Oh. She just kind of started off. Okay. So we what's keep that, following her. What's that meme? Uh, it's a trap. <laughs> rip (laughs) the thought occurred to us that's why we looked at each other and we're like hey should we maybe turn back or like come back later at that point she turned around and she's like are you coming oh gosh and we're like yeah we're we're coming we've been coming (laughs) we've been coming for the last 25 minutes so we follow her for another 10 15 minutes out into the woods or the jungle and we come to this kind of opening where there's this house that's entirely dilapidated, like old, old house. And she kind of goes around to the side of it. And we follow her. She gets to the side and there's this door that's not on the hinge. It's (laughs) propped up against the opening of the house. She opens it. And as she opens it, this 90 to 100 year old woman comes walking out just saggy old skin and she has this huge cross around her neck and she just starts i couldn't understand what she was saying and i i could speak the language Uh like i knew what the daughter had said and the mayor had said i couldn't understand what she was saying she like starts coming up to us and starts like getting a little bit louder and then we me and the guy I was with, we just looked at each other again. We're like, hey, we're, we're coming back. 
we're, we're going to come back later. And we book it. We just start running. At that point, the daughter calls after us. Hey, come back. And we're like, no, I'm not trying to do this right now. <laughs> Did you get like a weird feeling or something? Hello, weird feeling. The, like the, kind, the thing that kind of set me off, dude, was that huge cross around <laughs> her neck because it wasn't straight up. <gasps> yeah. It was upside down? It was upside down. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I was like, hell no. <laughs> was it flaming and like spinning? <laughs> no flames were spinning. But at that point, I was like, no, this is not happening today. Mm. And me and the other guy just start running. We never came back to that down. I have the craziest chills right now, dude. Dude, it was so scary. Like, legit, I felt like she was trying to put a hex on us. Because I couldn't blank. understand what she was saying at all, and I knew what they said. Like I could speak the language. Mm-hmm. It was so scary. I know this sounds like a joke, but where's like the threshold of where like you can and can't like punch an old lady, <laughs> dude? I don't know. Or like a child. When you uh, or <laughs> Bro, a child, did you dude? ever see The Wicker Man? That's the point where you dude, can, yeah, oh. he walks up all calm and then right hooks that girl on the beach. <laughs> dude, honestly, real, trying to protect yourself. I don't know. But I would have punched that old lady in the tree in the Dominican <laughs> Republic, dude. I think that's a little bit understandable because it's like, you know, that's reacting out of fear. But you want, you don't go in trees at night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ma'am? Excuse me? <laughs> yeah. You shouldn't be up there. <laughs> Maybe if they just talked to her, it would have been understood. I'm probably going to give, and I am like, I always err on the side of like being too polite or whatever. So I'm probably going to end up dead. But I don't know. There's definitely a point where it's like, okay. Okay. I think if you make it very clear, like, I'm being triggered right now. <laughs> if you step closer, <laughs> I will swing. <laughs> I know? guess I guess when you feel like your life is on the line, yeah. why not communicate that? And if they still... Proceed. Yeah, proceed <laughs> with that information, then you have the right... Of. Bro, this is one of those benefits of, you know, being homeschooled. I don't understand those social cues. <laughs> Trump's like, I can't tell I'm, if I'm leaving right now. <laughs> dude, what if she just reached out and grabbed you? Oh, no, dude. I would have probably not left hooked her, but <laughs> I would have I would have jerked her arm off as I ran. It like, probably would have come off, dude. <laughs> Rephrase that. I would have jerked her off. <laughs> okay. Ran. Dude, wait, real quick. I uh, I was like hanging out with some friends over the weekend, and it, it's two brothers, and one of them just had a baby, <laughs> and one of them has a two year old, and so the newborn they like put him on this like pillow contraption on the ground, and set him down, and the two year old was sitting on like his dad's lap across the room, right, and the baby starts like just kind of like not crying but like making noise, and the two year old perks up and is like so concerned. And looks over at the corner of the room, gets up off his dad, walks over to the corner. And I'm the only adult who saw this. Walks over and he's just standing over the baby, like trying to figure out what it is. And the baby kind of cries again. And the two-year-old goes, and just spits on the baby. (laughs) And I I was like, oh, I made a noise. And the two-year-old looked at me like, I dare you to say something. It was challenged me, dude. But I would have done that to the old lady. Like she grabbed me. I would have just went, uh, 
just full on discharge <laughs> diarrhea right at her or something just and try rant. Spinning catcher in the eyeballs. <laughs> oh, just get a fear loogie. A fear loogie. <laughs> in the following moments of this episode, we phone in a special guest named Ikaika, a childhood friend of mine. I'm Ikaika Kukui. And I am from Oahu. Um, the same island that DJ is from. Yeah. I uh, I was told I had the gift when I was a kid. So you could say I've seen some stuff. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I didn't see anything. I don't know. But, yeah. Whatever. It's been real to you. So yeah, yeah, yeah. How old were you when you, I guess, started experiencing seeing things, um, hearing things, whatever? I, I think just like, I don't know, when I was like four or five, like six, like that area, like I remember, I don't know, I always thought I was having these dreams and then like talking to like my grandma or like my mom, like having them like kind of explain like, no, like I was there, like there wasn't anything like I, like the first experience I remember, I remember vividly I was at my house and this guy came to the fence and like we have like a fence outside of our house and he was like, hey, like where's Melody, it was my grandma's name. And I was like, oh, she's not home right now, but you can, like, I was, like, five. I was like, yeah, you can come inside. Just, like, you must be, you must be like, family if you're coming to the house. He's like, no, like, it's all good. Just tell her I love her and that I'll see her. I'll see her again one day. So you just told him. that's weird. Wait, wait. So you just told him that he could come inside and you're, like, five years old. Are you home alone? Yeah, I was. I don't know. I don't know. Back in the day, like, those kind of things were, like, okay. And even in Hawaii, those kind of things are, like, sure. I grew up on the west side in Anakuli, and, like, it's all homestead, and, like, pretty much, like, everyone around there is, like, pretty friendly. Like, my my granduncle lived next door to us, and he looked, this guy, like, looked like him. Mm. So I was like, oh, he must be, like, one of the, like, he told me who he was. He's like, oh, my name's John. I should have said that. He's like, oh, my name's John. I'm your, your, I'm Melody's brother. I was like, oh, cool. But yeah, I was like five. I was like, yeah, just come inside. <laughs> and, uh, He's like, no, 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 it's like, it's okay. And he wasn't touching the fence or anything, but he was like standing there and he's like, oh, like tell her I love her and that I'll see her again one day. I was like, that's okay. I was like, bye. And then so he like walked away or I like turned around and went back in the house. And then like, so I'm just like doing what a five-year-old does. I don't know, I was playing with toys or something. And my grandma comes home with my mom there. She's like, she gets a, uh, she checks like the messages, you know, like back in the day we used to have like a message machine box. Yeah, yeah. And there was like a message from one of her sisters saying that, that, um, John had died. Ooh. Her brother John had died. And so my grandma's like crying. And I'm like asking, I was like, why are you crying? And so she like tells me, like, oh, like my brother died. My brother John, like you haven't met him. I was like, no, I just saw him. Whoa. And she was like, what? I was like, no, like he was just here. Like I just, I was just talking to him. And so she was like tripping out. And then I was like, I didn't, I, I don't know, maybe it's because I was five. I didn't really understand. But she like told me this story like years later that like I'd said that to her. My granduncle would always like mess with us. Well, I thought he was messing with us, but I guess he wasn't. Like they, they would tell stories about how him and my grandma would like still talk to their mom. And she would like come to the house and like hang out in the yard and, I'd go to like sit down on a bench and he's like, no, 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 don't sit there. Tutu's sitting there. I was like, okay, I'll move over. I was like, oh, I'll just go, I'll go sit on a different bench and like say stuff like that. It's like, it's a trip. Yeah. So like there's a handful of these experiences that you were having growing up. 
And then when you were older, those got more intense. Yeah, I mean, so it was weird. I don't know. I'd say like in high school, it was like little things here and there. But then like when I was in MTC, like I had a really gnarly experience. Gnarly experience. That was kind of like the peak of my paranormal experiences. In this next part, Ikaika details an experience that takes place in the Missionary Training Center, or MTC. Each missionary is assigned another missionary where they work as a team to study, plan, and teach with each other. So I was in the MTC. Uh, I was learning two languages at the time, so I had to, uh, I had to be there for three months, which Ooh. is way too long to be stuck in that building with a bunch of dudes. <laughs> um, and it was just like, I don't know, it was pretty hectic. Like, leading up to this, I was having nightmares about, like, us not getting our visas in time, being stuck, or, like, our plane going down and, like, us blowing up, or, like, being stuck in the middle of the ocean. So I was having, like, these super gnarly dreams about it. And then, um, this one night, so, like, we got bored, and we were in the middle of this prank war, and me and my companion were, like, the nutsest guys on our floor, because I was the Hawaiian kid, and he was a kid that lives in Hawaii, so we were kind of, I don't know, nobody wanted, we, we were like calling everybody out all the time. And so I left my room unlocked and I was pretty much like a challenge guy. It's like, Hey, if you want to try and do something, bring it. So maybe I was asking for something to happen, but so yeah. So I like turned off the light for our hallway and I was the last one to go to sleep. And it was probably like 11 ish, like a lot later than we're supposed to go to sleep. We had a double room. It was a pretty long room, but it was just one companionship. So me and my companion both wanted to sleep on our own bunk beds. Like we both wanted bottom bunk, obviously. So like the layout of the room is, it was like a pretty long room. And I had a bed right next to the door. And then he had a bed, his bed was probably like 20 feet away from mine. And then his bunk bed was in the back, but his bed was right next, right across from this little window we had. And the little window had like a little, you know how they had like, they used to have like these street light things on, at the MTC. Yeah. And you could see a little bit of that light coming through the window. So you could kind of see like his bed. So there's like very faint amount of light in my room. And so like I was trying to go to sleep and I was just like closing my eyes and probably like an hour had gone by. Um, and I was just kind of cruising there and I heard my door handle turn. And so I'm like laying in my bed, like my head is pretty much on the wall where the door is, where the door is and the door opens in. So I'm sitting there and I, I can see the door open. Like I can hear it, the handle, it open. I can see someone walk into the room and then like with its back to the door, like close the door. And I was sitting there, I was like in my mind, I'm like in prank war mode. So I'm thinking like, oh, who is this guy? And what is he going to try and do? And at first I was even thinking like, I'm going to scare him because they probably think I'm asleep. But I don't know. I like, I was like laying in my bed with my head just like facing straight up at the top of my bunk. And as I tried to like turn like my body toward the door, I like couldn't move. Uh, I just started thinking about it. I like, started panicking. I was like, ah, oh, this is so weird. And then the the thing like turned over like about face right in front of me. And I just got this super evil like feeling. Dude, I'm getting mean chicken skin right now. And uh, I got this like, like gnarly feeling. And um, it like turned over and it like leaned over me. So it was like, like standing over me. And I, like, couldn't move. 
I couldn't, like, I was trying to, like, say something. Because, like, it was maybe, like, a week before that, we had talked about on Tahiti. There's where I went on my mission. There's a lot of um, stuff where you have to, like, they teach us about, like, casting out spirits and all that. Because I guess that happens in, in Polynesian mm-hmm. places, who would have thought. And so I was tripping out, and um, the only thing I could move was my head. And so she's standing out. You can, like, I could feel it, like, looking at me. And I was just like, well, what do I do? And I remembered I had this picture of uh, Ariel, the little mermaid, that my friend had drawn me. And so I, like, in my peripherals, I could see it. And so I was, like, looking at that for comfort. Wait, could you explain that just a little bit more? (laughs) Yeah, so... Um, no, just because I, I couldn't move, but I could move my eyes. No, so no, like the, the mermaid, like <laughs> like the little oh. mermaid. <laughs> uh, one of the girls that I was riding while I was on my mission had a, uh, she got me a picture, like a coloring book picture of Ariel and like drew on it or, um, and like colored it in. So I had that, but I had to, because it wasn't MTC approved, you know, she's in a bikini. So I had to, like, put, like, a shirt on her and stuff. <laughs> but I had this on my wall, like, right next to my bed. And that was, like... Ariel, save so me. <laughs> I was looking at this thing, this picture of Ariel for comfort, and it did not help. But it was there. <laughs> and I think it's important for the story. So I always include it. No, you're but, good. You're good. <laughs> um, so, like, so back to me sitting there, I'm just, like, tripping out. And so I just keep thinking in my head, like, oh, we, like... Like, say, I keep repeating, like, you have to leave. Like, you don't belong here. Like, you need to leave. And I, like, couldn't say anything. But I guess after, like, this probably went on for, like, five minutes. It it felt, like, way longer than that. But I'm assuming it was just five minutes. After that time, it, like, I felt, you know, when someone's just, like, irritated? Like, I felt like this, this personage just was getting irritated that I wasn't, that I was trying to, like, fight it off. So it stood back up. And like turned turned back and started walking down my um, down my room toward my companion's bed. And at this point, I felt like I could I couldn't still move, but I could like bring my head up a little bit. And um, and I I felt it walking down to my companion's bed. And so the thing is, the light gets brighter as I'm going. So as it's walking, I'm starting to see more of this like personage, like a full on, but it was just like a black like a black thing. And so I was tripping out, and it's walking toward my companion. He's, he's like, snoring super loud. And so it does the same thing. It goes to his bed, turns, and, like, bends over. And as soon as it bends over, my roommate stops. Um, my companion stops snoring and, like, goes completely silent. Ooh, oh. And I was just like, oh, no, he's dead. <laughs> and so I was, like, trying, like, in my head, like, who, like, what do I tell? What do I tell them? Like, oh, some dark thing, like, killed, <laughs> killed Cosby. Um... <laughs> And so, so like, same thing, I'm, like, still repeating in my head, just, like, oh, like, you have to leave, like, you can't be here. And this probably went on for another five minutes, so I'm guaranteed thinking in my head, like, oh, he's dead. He's for sure dead. And then, again, I can, like, this person is just kind of, like, projecting, like, irritation and, like, gets, like, stands straight back up. And right when I see him stand straight up, he looks, he, like, turns his body back toward me. And, like, in a rush, like, I had my head kind of tilted up, and I dropped out to my bed, and you could, I could see it sprinting at me now. Oh. So, I, like, I shat my pants, metaphorically, but... So, it, like, ran back to me, and was standing above my bed again, and finally, 
I like got words out and I was like, leave. All I, all I could say was leave. And then just like this, with that irritated, um, like emotion again, reach for the door, open the door. It like it got one last look at me and then slammed the door, like in a, in a dark building where everyone's asleep. I feel like somebody would have heard it, but just slammed the door and I passed out. Next thing I know, my companion's like shaking me to wake up because we woke up. Our alarms didn't go off and he was like waking me up because we were, it was like nine o'clock. And so I was just like, oh, like I was, initially I was relieved because he was alive. And I was like, sick, like you're not dead. That's cool. And then I was like asking him, I was like, hey, like do you, did you notice anything weird last night? He's like, no, like I, I had a weird dream that some, like he, like that was a trippy part. I don't think I told you this part. He said he had a dream that somebody was like trying to choke him, but he fought him off, which also like kind of tripped me up. But then he was like, other than that, it was fine. And he's like, hey, we got to go. And so I like told him what happened. He like lost it. That's wild that he had a dream about that. Cause even if you were dreaming about it, it's like both of you had a similar dream where someone was trying to like yeah. hurt you or something. No, it was crazy. And like I told my teachers the next day, I was like, hey, like this thing happened last night. And they're just like, oh, gnarly. That's all they said. <laughs> like it was no big deal. When you were young, who told you you had the gift? Uh, my grandmother told me that initially. And did she like teach you what that meant, what that was? Um. Well, no, like all she really said was like, you're going to like, there's going to be stuff in life that you're going to see that you can't really explain. Mm. And that's going to be, that's going to be the kind of stuff. Would you say grandma had the same gift where she was sensitive to these kind of things? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know. I never got the chance to really like ask her about a lot of stories, but she like just little things. Like I watched her supposedly our house was on a night monster path. Hey, we know about and, that. Uh, she like I remember as a kid like looking up and watching her like let out this kind of like orb of light like out of our house. So she like guided it out of the house. Yeah. And let it go. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Damn, it was a trip. And I don't know. Dude, that's gnarly, man. Yeah. That's wild, dude. Dude, the sides uh, that that main story was crazy, but like how he just lashed on that last little bit is like, oh yeah, and our house was on a night marcher path. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's like 18 things I want to address in his in his story. But have you guys? So you, we've all had sleep paralysis. Sean, have you had it? No. Okay, not Sean. Jokes. Everyone in our group has had it except Sean. Yeah. Just so, for the record. So spirits out there, <laughs> do us a favor. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, hit your boy Sean Gasway. Have, <laughs> have you ever seen like the black shapes? I have. Okay, I have two, but it's always like cloudy. Yeah, it's never like, clear like how he described. Mm-hmm. For me, it's always like a. It's there. The lines are blurred. It's more like a shadow. Yeah, I haven't had it in a long time. Like I've had sleep paralysis, but I haven't seen the shadow part of it for a long time. Hmm. And it's mainly when I was like a teenager. I'd see it standing at the foot of my bed or at the side of my bed. Hmm. But his how it. It felt so like it had so much life. He said that he said that it ran at him. That Dude. doesn't happen during sleep paralysis, to my knowledge. Yeah, I've never heard of anything like that. Or it leaned in and like he could see the outline right 
I, I don't know. But he couldn't see like a face or anything like that. That's it's just like a black form. Yeah. Dude, trippy dog. Terrifying. Yeah. And so he said that he he challenged. He put out a challenge. Is that what that was? I was it was this, a it was a prank war between all the other missionaries. Yeah, so he's challenging humans. Okay, okay. But yeah, maybe something else heard that challenge. He's dude. calling them out. He's like, yo, if you want to prank me, like, try me. See what happens. Lucifer's like, I got this. Bro, yeah, because <laughs> that's what I heard. I heard that he was throwing out a challenge, you know, Satan or something. I was like, yeah. nah. <laughs> dude, one time when we were, like, ghost hunting in this abandoned uh mental hospital <laughs> i told jordan i was filming him and he got all brave for a second and he's like if you're out there give us a sign and i was like damn dude i was behind the camera i was like what are you doing dog and then he's like i don't know what i'm doing <laughs> why did i say that <laughs> but yeah i'm not i'm not one to like challenge anything like bro bro if the devil wants to dance with you okay. you better say never because a dance with the devil might last you forever dude thank you thank you immortal immortal technique, immortal. Immortal technique. <laughs> And I was young William. <laughs> <laughs> Had dreams of making primary concern. <laughs> that song impacted me. Dude, that song's so heavy. That you sure? That and Stan. Dude. There are two songs. Okay. One of my uh, favorite things is uh, uh, we're all nerds on this podcast, bro. Um, but one of the ways. Actually. <laughs> actually. Uh, one of the ways I connected with Charles when I first met him was through our love for music mainly like hip-hop yeah and we had the same taste especially like in our high school years Mm -hmm. underground type we listened to a lot of angsty like a lot of people like a lot of kids listen to like angsty punk like blink or whatever (laughs) for us it was like angsty hip-hop yeah so underground rappers like immortal technique jedi mind tricks star yeah dude (laughs) um talib and there's two songs that come to mind that have really dark themes that really like changed <laughs> our perspective. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It changed me, dude. Like as a kid, I was like, there are like, when I heard these songs, I just thought there are like evil people <laughs> yeah, out there. Not everyone's good. It's, it's a know. story you don't commonly hear. It's not a story that's commonly told because it's so dark, especially when you're a child. So to be exposed to like, that theme at that young age, it was like, damn, like this is this is wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The first song is "Dance with the Devil" by Immortal Technique. Immortal Technique. And the second one is "Stan" by Eminem. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that on the radio, dog. I like unplugged my radio, my little <laughs> al- alarm clock, because like at the end, bro, when it like all comes together and stuff, I was like, oh, I couldn't handle it. It was too much. <laughs> that, that alarm clock radio, though. Yeah. <laughs> Once again, thank you, everyone. It's 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 humbling getting so many people coming up to me and just being like, hey, I listened to your podcast. So we really appreciate it out there. If you guys ever have any ideas, you ever have any stories, we want to hear them. Send them to us. You can email them. You can DM them. Our email is 3ampodcaststories at gmail.com. Or you can just DM on Instagram, 3am.podcast. Look us up. No, definitely thanks. Thanks for listening, and thanks for all of your feedback as well. We love people messaging us, letting us know what we can do better, or uh, just reaching out and telling us stories. We love that. Yeah. In the meantime, trust your gut and watch your back. Hey. Hey. Thank you, everyone.
On the morning of August 1, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. You're listening to Stop the Killing podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweit, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery. And I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify and all the usual suspects. 24 hours ago, I found out the person I'd been dating and seeing for the last six months as a conman. That is my sister Emma. Andrew Tonks's lies had been so convincing, she'd invested $300,000 with him. However, the tables were about to turn on Andrew. What he didn't know was that Emma had discovered his real identity. But to get any chance of justice, Emma had to act like it was business as usual. Coming up in this series, and that's when Muda all this stuff goes through my mind. I'm really, really scared. I'm assuming Sarah has watched too much Netflix and figures I've been defrauding you. Couldn't be further from the truth. That's what this was, a real life story that seems so unbelievable, but it was actually true. A true story that all starts with one simple swipe to the right. I'm Sarah Ferris. And I'm Emma Ferris. And this is my story, Conning the Con. <laughs> 